you all here this morning. I know there's a lot of people that are sick and the weather and stuff, so we don't take it for granted. I'm glad you all here today, and I hope you enjoy the message that God has given me. You know, you know the names of God, if you really look at them carefully, they actually, that's what I'm actually talking about today. It's one of them is the name of God. But it's amazing about the names of God, if you actually study them and really look deep into them and really take your time to study these names of God, they display the character and the, and, and, and the nature of God. And they're also there for a reason. You know, names, most of the time, they have a, something behind a name, most of the time. I know some people's names, you know, they don't really mean much, but some people's names, there's something behind that ma- name, or there's a meaning behind your name most of the time. And a lot of times people do act upon what their name is. You better believe it. They do. So, but these names are also there not just to be a name, and yes, they, they do portray the character of God, and they do explain his nature, but they also, it's actually for you as an individual. These names are here to remind you of what God can do for you. They're there like when you're struggling or you're down or depressed or, or, or you, you know, you're fighting things in your life. You know? These names, when you read these names, these names are to remind you that there's a powerful God that can intervene in your life. That there's a God who cares about you and he cares for your well-being. You know, we're creating an image of God. So God's love through these names show how he loves you and how he cares for you. Then uh, one of the names we're going to talk about today, matter of fact, go to Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 6 for a moment. And we're going to talk about one of these names today. Just let me know when you're all there. All right. Everyone's there? Sweet. It says, in those days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. Now the name we'll be talking about today is Jehovah Nishkanu. It actually means the Lord our righteousness. And as, as I go by in the sermon, I'm going to explain why you need this name and why it's very important to you, as, most as a Christian is your backup plan, and I'll explain to it later on as I go. But, you know, today, you know, we have millions of people today who are actually trying to work their way into heaven. You have millions of religions out there, and you wonder how this came about. Why there's so many religions, and, and why people go to church, or why people try to strive for their salvation? What is the purpose? What is the meaning for people to do what they do? You know, we have to be go to the beginning of Adam and Eve. You know, when Adam and Eve was in the garden, they had fellowship with God. They walked with God. They talked with God. And it's just a speculation. I'm not saying it's, it's just a hypocrisy, uh, was it, uh, an idea or a theology some people have. Some people think that when Adam and Eve was created, that there was a light that was there when they were created. And then when they sinned, that light went out of them. And that's when they knew they were naked. That's just a the- that's just an interpretation some people have, or a hypothesis, or a theory some people have. But it sounds like it would match with some things that would happen in the Bible. 
But you got to understand, when Adam and Eve sinned, they spiritually died. Oh, they lived for a good while. They, you know, they breathed, they lived, you know, they lived, what, quite a hundred something years. They lived for a long time. But spiritually, they were dead. The light was burnt out of them, spiritually speaking. And because of this, we have men now of this incident. They're trying to create their righteousness of themselves. They try to, through this incident, they try to make a good works base. Because everybody knows that one way or another, you know, there's two questions that people have in this world, believe it or not. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter how poor or rich you are. It doesn't matter your background standing. Two questions that everyone answers one way or another, even they try to ignore it or they try to push it aside. But it's like your conscience is there. It bothers you. It's two questions. One, what, uh, what I was, what, uh, what I, where I was born to do. What's your purpose in this life? Two, where do I go when I die? You know, most people, these two questions haunt people from day to day. It's like a ghost. It haunts them. Like I said, some try to ignore it. Some try to drink it down. They try to smoke it down. They try to do everything they can to kill that voice, to kill that consciousness that is in them, that actually screams to them what I was born to do and where do I go when I die. And so this develops, one way or another, religions. Because men, knowing that, hey, there's an eternity out there, I have to answer to a holy and righteous God, or there's a being out there that I have to answer to. So this creates religions. This creates people trying to earn their salvation, trying to please God or trying to please their gods for sanctification, for entry into heaven. But the Bible makes it clear that in... Uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, that we saved through grace, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God that no man should boast. But, you know, Apostle Paul made it very clear, and, he, and this pictures a lot of people today. Apostle Paul was talking about his own kinfolks, I believe in the book of Romans, when his heart reached out to his Jewish brethren. And he said that, he said, I wish that all Israel can be saved. You know, he, was, he longed for his kinfolks. He longed for their salvation. You know, he wanted them part of the plan of God for their life. And there's something that he said is very interesting, and I think it applies to a lot of people today. He said about his own kinfolks, he said, the zeal of God, if you read in the book of Romans, he said, they are zeal. They, I mean, they're really religious. They really go out there and they really perform. They really give it their all. They really give it all they got. They're really sincere. But one thing he says, they go out there to establish their own righteousness. And we have people like that today. Millions of people throughout the world, through other religions and denominations and cultures, you know, they're trying to do like these Jews. They're trying to earn their salvation. They do the don'ts and they do the do's. They follow all the rules. They follow the regulations. You know, don't do this. Don't do that. You know, and I'm not saying that we should not live a holy life. I'm not preaching one save, always save. You know, I believe you should live a holy and moral life. But there's religions out there. They place their faith in what you can and what you cannot do. And it burdens people, you know. Just like Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, you lay a burden on people, but you won't pick one finger up to do it. So we have here men working their tail, working their bones off to be religious. You know, the most, you know, the most miserable people in the world are people who are trying to earn their own salvation. 
They're miserable. They're, I mean, they're, they're terrible. They're working their bone off. They're, I mean, it's miserable how they just try to, to please God, and they're thinking that what they're doing, they're pleasing him, and they're honoring him, and all that time, they're going out to establish their own righteousness. They're ignorant of God's righteousness, you know. So there's millions out there who do that. But how can, if you, you know, and it gets people frustrated, you know, because some people's like, I try hard, I work hard, I go to church every Sunday, you know, I follow the rules they give me to follow. I, I do the do's and don'ts, but I don't feel there's no peace in my spirit or I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. Well, there's a way to get out of it, and that is Jehovah Nikunu, the Lord, our righteousness. And you might say to yourself, why do I need this righteousness? What is the purpose of this name, and what's the purpose of this righteousness? One is your backup plan, and I'm explain for a moment. Did you know Satan is the accuser of the brethren? The Bible makes it clear. If you read the book of Job, it's a perfect example in the book of Job. When God was up in heaven and, and Satan came up, you know, I hate to mess up a lot of people's theology, but you know how we have this picture of Satan's in hell and he got a pitchfork and he got a red little suit? That's not true. He's up in the heavens. The Bible makes it clear. He flies through and fro from the earth, looking to who he can destroy, seeing who he can bring down, seeing who can he can destruct people with and the human race with. He's not in hell with a pitchfork throwing people into a pit, or he don't have a throne in hell. His throne is in the heavens, and he flies through our earth's atmosphere looking who he can destroy. So the Bible said he went to heaven. He went to the throne of, of God, and God bragged on Job. You know, that's a good thing when God can brag on you. And I'm afraid there's not too much he can brag on, but, but he bragged on Job, and he said he talked about how Job was a good man and how Job loved God and did everything according to his own, you know, did everything God told him to. He followed 100% of his heart what God told him to do. And Satan said, yeah, but if you take everything from him and, and do this, he'll he'll Cues you to your face. You know, it's the same thing in us when we come to the presence of God. You know, Satan is a good condemner. You know, when you're praying or when you're, when you're struggling with life for a lot of times, Satan comes and he tries to accuse you. You know, he tries to remind you. Most of your sin in your past. He's really, him and people's really good at that. You know, they're good up of digging up the old grave. They're good up of, of digging your old body up. You know, you're trying to bury your sin. You know, you're trying to forget your past and people bring it up or mostly Satan brings it up. And he reminds you of your sin. You know, he reminds you of your past and all your faults that you did back then or even you're doing at the moment. And he condemns you and he puts a heavy burden on you. You know, it's like a load on top of you. You know, he, he burns you down and you're you know, weary of life. And, 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 you, and, you know, you're trying, you know, you're trying your best, you know, to reach God. And he's there by your ear accusing you of the faults and the wrongs you have done. And this is where it comes to play. This is why it's very important. And he does this. And, he, may, and you, he, he even gets you convinced that he's right. He says, you remember when you did this? And you say, yes, Mr. Devil, I remember. He said, do you remember when you were a bank robber and you robbed people and you, you drugged and, you know, you were dishonest towards people? He says, yes, I remember, Mr. Devil. Yeah, you're right. I, I did that, yes. And he accuses you and he puts you a burden on you. And he makes you feel condemned. He makes you feel like you're not worthy of God. But that's when Jesus steps in. Jesus comes in. And then he comes into your rescue. And then through this, righteousness comes in. When Jesus steps into the room and he says, yes, he did do this. But now he accepted me. He puts his faith in me. And now he has my righteousness. And when God looks at him, you're wearing 
God's righteousness. You know, I was looking on Facebook the other day, and I preached a sermon, a couple, well, it was on Spotify, where I talked about wearing Christ's righteousness as a, as a symbol of, of, you know, wearing clothes like you're wearing Christ's righteousness. There was on Facebook where they had this man, he's bending down like this, and, and, and in the background, Jesus is putting on some clothes on him, and that was his righteousness. So it's the same thing with us, you know. God puts on, when you have faith in Christ, when you believe in Christ, and you believe what he's done for you, he covers you with his righteousness. And when God looks at it, all your sins are gone. One glance, he looks, all your panities are gone. Your past and your future sins are gone because you put your faith in Christ and you trust in the Lord and you believe in the blood of Christ. Your righteousness covers you from all the guilt that Satan has put, all the condemnation, all the accusing, all the fouls he has on you. It's all gone and all race. You know, you know it's kind of like with in Satan's perspective, when he sees Christ's righteousness, it's like when Superman, remember when Superman had that green, that green thing from his planet, that green krypton or whatever it was? It made him weak. It made him, you know, it made him like, you know, he couldn't do anything. He was paralyzed. You know, it's the same thing what happens when Satan looks at God's righteousness. You know, when he looks at that, it makes him weak. It makes him, you know, it makes him, you know, paralyzed. It makes him where he cannot hurt any, he cannot hurt you anymore because that's how powerful God's righteousness is. It's kind of like when the children of Israel, when they put the blood on top of their doorposts, God, made, God told them, put the blood on your doorposts so the angel will pass by and it, you will not be harmed. The same thing with us today. If we have, we're wearing Christ's righteousness. When we have his blood over us, Satan cannot harm us, you know, and he can pass by and not put a, a shame or guilt on us no more. So this name is really powerful, you know, and you put your faith in Christ and his righteousness, you know, through the line of King David, through the pure line of Christ, you know, a, a, a king of justice and peace, you know, he can bring you peace, you know. And the same thing, you know, and a lot of people, they think, well, if I've joined this a church or I joined this a religion, Jesus don't want you to join a church or religion. It's good coming to church. It's good that you learn about God and, and fellowship with other believers. I mean, I don't think you should stay home and just, you know, not fellowship with your believers or hear the word. But the thing is, a lot of people think if I just join a church or I just join a religion or do some great activity, you know, I make God happy. Kind of like, you know, Cain and Abel situation when, when, when Abel, you know, when Cain offered to God a good sacrifice to the cross, you know, and, and, and he was going to the way of the, 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 the cross and the blood of Christ. And, and the other one, he was, he grabbed from the ground, he scrabbled, he's grabbled, you know, he, he, he brought the fruits of his labor to God and God rejected it. Millions are doing that today. They, they're grabbing up their own fruits of their own labor and, they, and, they, and they're trying to think that they can please God except going through the cross or going through Calvary. You know, I'm amazed how if you look through the Old Testament, how everything pointed to God. Everything pointed to the Savior that was coming. It's all over the book. I mean, you can't deny it. It's all over the book. I was reading the other day, uh, uh, Kingstone Comics. They, they had one called Answers and Questions. And they were talking about, like, people who have questions about the Bible and where this came from, why is this? And they answer these questions, you know. And one of the things they showed how in the Ark of the Covenant that the Ark or the gold or the wood, one of them symbolizes Christ's humility. And then the, 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 the bread that was in there, the, 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 the manner that was in there symbolizes the, the bread of life, that Christ was the bread of life. And you eat 
this bread, have faith in him, you be live forever. And then there's a stick where Aaron's rod that budded symbolized the resurrection of Christ. So you see all these symbologies and all these things pointing to Christ. And I think, and remember, all these names are in the Old Testament. I think God even then, back then, through Jeremiah, was letting the children of Israel know that your rituals is not going to save you. It's not you going to the temple, you know, offering sacrifices or, or you do this certain work or certain deed. He was letting them even know back then that all righteousness came from the one that was to come, and that was Jesus Christ. All these things pointed to Christ. And that's a whole sermon on the tabernacle. And if I go to every, that's a whole nother sermon of how each thing symbolized Christ. But back then, God was even letting Israel know that righteousness came through the cross, that if you put your faith and you put your trust in God, you know, you are protected, you know. And so it's not the law. It's not, you know, a lot of people think if I can just save myself, you know. If you could save yourself, then what's the point of Christ dying on the cross? If you follow every rule and every moral law, you know, and I'm not against morals, you know, but certain people do think if I just you know, reform my life, or if I just give up something, you know, I give up some candy or something, or I'm be more right with God. And God was like, no, you got to come through my son, you know. You know, and like I said, I'm not preaching one save always say, I believe you should live a moral life, or you should, you know, be example as a Christian and live a holy life. But I had an individual one day, and I heard him, and I could tell the way he did it. He was like, because I quit drinking, I'm all right with God. And I'm like, think to myself, yeah, it's great that you've given up drinking. It's great you're trying to live a moral life. But you could tell the way he was doing, like that was his salvation. Like, because I quit drinking, I'm going to heaven. And I'm like, no, I mean, I hate to disappoint you. You're going to go to hell. If you don't accept Jesus and put your faith in Christ, you're going to go to hell as fast as the one who is drinking. You know, it's about putting your faith in Christ, not on your moral works, not on your, your deeds. A lot of people do think that. I've seen a... Uh, old comedy the other day where one of these individuals in the show, he died. He went to heaven, and he couldn't get to heaven because he was a bad boy, and, and, uh, his, and his two brothers on earth was bad. So he had to go reform them. He had to go send down. He said, Peter said, the only way you're going you're gonna to get to heaven is going down and reforming your brothers. And, you know, we watch things like that. It's, it's comical. But really, in society, most people think that if I can just reform myself, if I can reform others, you know, I can get to heaven. It's a, a works-based religion you know i can help my way into heaven or i can help others get there by my own deeds and works and you know if you're going to notice in the world today you these are the two battling conflicts that you will face that there's many individuals you're going to work with them believe me i know you're going to work with them you're going to you know it's your families it's your co-workers you know these two are going to clash these two worldviews will clash and one that says i put my faith in christ I believe I live in a moral life, but I put my faith in Christ, and he alone is my righteousness. And then you got some on the side that, you know, I believe I got to strive. I got to follow my church. I got I to gotta follow the sacraments. I got to be baptized. I, I, I got to do this and that to be saved. And, you know, so you will have that battling conflict. So God gave us this name to always remind us that Christ is our righteousness. It's through him we are saved. You know, uh, there's, there's uh, many great men in the Bible uh, John Bunyan, uh, uh, Martin Luther, and, 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 uh, and a couple of men of God that they, they were trying to earn their way to salvation. They thought that they were leading to religion and not to Christ. You know, there's millions today, they in church, but 
they don't have Jesus as their Savior. Is it hard to believe that you can have a church full of people, never said the sinner's prayer, they never, like, believed on Christ, or they never did, like the Bible said, one way or another to be saved and God's way of doing things? They're like, they, they sit in church, they, they look through religion and not to Christ. These individuals, they did that. They were all looking to their religion, you know. Uh, they were all, they were in, but until one day they all had a revelation that it was the just should live by faith. You know, it was the righteousness of God that gives you into heaven. It's not your good works. And when all these men learned that, when they learned that principle that it was the sanctification of the Lord that saved you, it was faith in Christ that saved you, they changed the world because when they learned that one little detail right there, it's faith in Christ and Christ alone, and I've been puted unto Christ. Christ has given me his righteousness. And they changed the world. And still to this very day, we hear sermons from them. We still hear, we still know them today because they realize that one thing is not by my works. You know, it's by faith in Christ and put my trust in him. You know, so most people need to stop joining our religion and join Jesus. A lot of people do that. They, they, they think that is their salvation and it's not. You know, it's faith in the Lord. You know, I get this from a lot of people. And they kind of, you know, you can, that's when you kind of know you hit a vein. Because you look at people's faces one way and you know you hit something. You know, like Brother Mike said, if, if you hit a, uh, you're in a dark room and you throw a rock and you hear somebody, hey, you know you hit something. You know? <laughs> well, sometimes it happens with people. You know, I was talking to a guy at work and, and uh, he was Roman Catholic and I talked to him. And I kind of had him thinking. I said, you know... If sacraments can save you, if being baptized can save you, or doing special good works to save you, I said, what's, what's the need for Christ to come die on the cross? I mean, did, and, 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 you know, you're denying the sufficiency of Christ. You're saying that Christ, what he did was not enough, or he only did it halfway, one way or another. He didn't do it all, or he only did it halfway. And I had him thinking, because, you know, we get so religious, we get so much into the motion of certain things, that when things like this hit us, we're like, oh, wow, I am denying Christ. I am insulting Christ when I'm not fully putting my faith and trust in him. So a lot of people today, they don't realize that. And that's why you got to bring that up to them. That is, you know, the Lord, our righteousness, you know, Jehovah Nishkanu, you know, it's his righteousness. And he, he gives me his righteousness. And God, that wins God's favor. It's not my works. It's not my you know, religious rags, you know, I think it's in uh, Isaiah when it says that all our righteousness is as filthy rags. You know, it stinks to God. You know, it, it's not very pleasing to God. But when you put on his righteousness, it's kind of like, and he smells it. You know, it's kind of like when you wash your clothes, you know, and you take it out of the dryer and you smell it. It has a great smell to it. It has that old stinky smell away. You know, that's kind of what God's righteousness does. You know, he smells it. That's a good sermon called the smell and the lifting up of God's righteousness when they build the altar and when God, the, I think it was Noah. Yeah. When Noah built an altar to God and the Bible said when he burned that altar, the incense, it was a great smell to God. It was a great incense to God when, cause it, it pointed to the cross. So the same thing with us, God smells us, you know, when he smells, he don't smell old religious rags and stinky rags. He smells righteousness. He smells God's righteousness. So, I hope you enjoy this name, and next time you hear this name, I hope you, know, you, don't, you, you don't see it the same as you did. So names have meaning, and name has a purpose. So I'm glad you enjoyed it, and remember, the Lord is your righteousness.